and welcome to Third Floor Views, a production of Chesapeake Family Life, where we talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Laura Boycourt. Today, we're discussing keeping kids healthy during the holidays. And joining us from the Johns Hopkins Children's Center are Dr. Kristen Arcara, a pediatric endocrinologist, and Dr. Jennifer Dancer, a pediatric allergist and immunologist. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'd like to begin um, just by introducing both of you and what your specialties are at Johns Hopkins. Um, Dr. Arcara, would you be willing to start? Sure. Uh, my name is Kristen Arcara, and I am a pediatric endocrinologist. I've been practicing at Johns Hopkins for about eight years. I care for children with type 1 and type 2 diabetes, as well as other endocrine disorders such as thyroid, growth, puberty disorders. Wonderful. Thank you. Dr. Dancer. Hi, I'm Jennifer Dancer. Um, I am a pediatric allergist and immunologist here at Johns Hopkins. Um, I spend most of my time in the pediatric allergy clinic here, um, and there I have the pleasure of taking care of kids with a variety of different allergic diseases, and this includes food allergies, asthma, eczema, and seasonal allergies, is to name just a few of the things. Wow. <laughs> so you're so you're both pretty busy, I would imagine. Um, and so to, to get into sort of the meat of what we're hoping to talk about today, this time of year full of, you know, uh, is full of treats and special meals, desserts, things like that, things that adults indulge in, things that, things that kids, you know, obviously want to indulge in as well. What are some of the concerns for all of us about holiday foods from a nutritional standpoint? Let's see, Dr. Akara, would you like to start? Sure. Um, so I think we, we all know that it's important to fuel our bodies with healthy foods that help us to feel our best and stay as healthy as we can be. And yet, obviously, a lot of holiday foods don't tip, don't fit with what we might consider to be healthy foods. Lots of, uh, as you mentioned, desserts and, and things that are more indulgent. Um, and I think that leads to a lot of concerns for people about weight gain, about negative health effects of indulging. And this might lead people to worry and feel shameful and feel guilty. And these are the last things that we all need to be feeling around the holidays. Um, so while, of course, we, um, you know, we need to be mindful of what we're putting into our bodies, um, it's also really important to treat ourselves with kindness and accept that we're going to indulge a little bit and realize that temporary indulgence isn't something that's going to negatively impact our long-term health. Um, and we should, you know, try our best, like I said, to balance those indulgences with healthy foods, but really don't beat ourselves up for eating a piece of candy or a cookie. That's a, that's a great point. Sort of accepting, you know, that this time of year, this, this is common and it's not going to throw you off track, whatever your goals or lifestyle might be. So that's a great point. Dr. Dancer, uh, what do you think? Sure. Yeah, I would just add that I think, um, like Dr. Carr said, it's fine to, you know, occasionally enjoy these less healthy foods. Um, and I think we can sometimes frame it in a way that, you know, this is a special time, like special treats and to myself and my kids, that's mm -hmm. how I try and sell it of like, oh, we can do this now because it's like the special time. And this isn't going to continue <laughs> forever that you can you know, <laughs> eat unlimited cookies when you're at grandma's house. But like for right now, we're just going to not stress about <laughs> things that we otherwise would and enjoy the season. 
Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so let's let's dive into diabetes for listeners or viewers who might not have sort of that basic foundational understanding of diabetes. Um, if you could give us just sort of a glimpse into the specifics of diabetes and then why this time of year is problematic for kiddos with diabetes. Dr. Arcara, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. So there's uh, two main types of diabetes, but there are uh, a few other types. Um, so the the types that I generally treat are type one diabetes and type two diabetes. Um, type one diabetes is a condition in which children do not make their own insulin, which is the hormone we all need to use the carbohydrates in our food to uh, give our bodies energy. Um, kids with type one diabetes need to take insulin via injections or via insulin pumps to help them to really stay alive and uh, to, to manage and use the food that they're putting into their bodies for energy. Um, type two diabetes is um, a, a condition that is associated with being resistant to the insulin that we have in our bodies that helps us to utilize our food. And so often uh, children with type two diabetes will need to take a variety of different types of medications perhaps to manage their diabetes. Um, and the, the hardest thing I think um, about the holidays for kids with diabetes and, and probably for most kids with any chronic health condition is that you're off your routine. So normally we wake up, we change our clothes, we have our breakfast, we get on the bus, we go to school, we have first period, second period, third period, et cetera. And during the holidays, we're off from school, we're visiting family and friends, family and friends are visiting us. Um, and so all the cues that we have throughout the day to do the things that we need to do to keep ourselves healthy and take our medications and things like that, they're not there during the holidays. So it can be really hard to remember, you know, to take your insulin with every meal or take your oral medications twice a day. Um, and it, it's hard to figure out how the different foods that you're eating over the holidays are going to impact your blood sugars and, um, and things like that. Um, so I think that's really the the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge for people with chronic illnesses and specifically diabetes is to try to try to keep doing all the things that you're used to doing. That's really hard to do when you're, when you're not able to keep your, your typical schedule. So the deviation of routine and sort of the unknowns of travel and what's going to be served, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Dr. Dancer, um, what are some of the common pediatric food allergies that, uh, that, that, you know, kids are presenting with these days? And then what are some of the specific concerns during the holidays for, for those children? Sure. Yeah. So when I talk about food allergies today, I'm talking about specific, what we call IgE mediated food allergies. So that's, you eat the food and pretty much right away, you have a reaction, the type that people think of, you need an EpiPen, but there are a variety of different food intolerances. So for food allergies, the top nine most common are milk, egg, wheat, soy, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, and sesame. Um, and so always, but especially during the holidays when there's likely to be new foods or foods that might be made by other people, it's very important to be aware of what would contain your, your child's allergen and also what foods may be contaminated by your allergen. Um, and kind of one of those things that if you 
aren't sure, then best to stay away from it and also making sure that everyone um, is aware of kind of what the allergens in the group are. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. And then back to you, Dr. Akira. So the children with diabetes, how, what would you recommend to, to them, to their parents to, to do in order to enjoy the holidays safely? Um, what should parents keep in mind, caregivers keep in mind, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I think it's important for all of us um, to remember there's, there's this common misconception about kids with diabetes that they can't eat certain foods, they can never have XYZ, they can never have sugar, um, and that's just not true. Um, they can enjoy all the foods that everyone else can enjoy, and they just need to remember to take care of their diabetes, whether that's taking their insulin, taking their oral medications um, to help them to keep their blood sugars in range. Now, that being said, it's not good for anybody to be eating endless sweets and treats and indulgent foods for hours and weeks and days on end. So moderation is really the key for everybody, um, kids with diabetes or kids without diabetes. Um, and since treats and indulgent foods are such an integral part of traditions and celebrations, it's not fair or reasonable to expect people to avoid them altogether. Um, and so I think it's a matter of just making sure that, um, you know, you're supporting your kids through the holidays, coming up with a system to help them to remember to do the things that they need to do. And I think as family, extended family and friends, um, you know, need to, to be aware, um, it's important to be sensitive with your communication uh, when it's surrounding food or medical conditions. Um, you may have a family member make a comment like, should you be eating that with your diabetes? Which may be a very well-intentioned comment, but really is unnecessary and potentially hurtful or even confusing to a child. Um, and so, you know, maybe a better way to show one's concern might be to ask the child or ask the child's parent, you know, is there anything that I can do to help you with your child's diabetes management at this really stressful time of year, as opposed to saying comments that, mm -hmm. you know, might not be taken as they were intended. Sure. That's a great point. So framing, framing things to be helpful instead of sort of ostracizing or making the child feel like there's something, something, you know, markedly different about them, which you don't want to do. So mm -hmm. that's a great point. Wonderful. And Dr. Dancer, um, for children with food allergies, what can they and their parents do to keep them safe while allowing them to, you know, enjoy the season and all, all the good things that come with it? Sure. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that they can do so that they can still have fun and participate in all these activities. So I think one thing is just asking about the ingredients of a food every time and never making assumptions that, oh, well, that doesn't seem like it has my allergen, so it's probably okay. Or well, I told them once in the past that I was peanut allergic, so I'm sure they wouldn't have brought something that contained peanuts. Um, and if you don't know, like I mentioned before, then choosing different foods and at these large gatherings, also being aware that like buffet style foods can be very high risk when you may use the same spoon or um, contaminate different foods. Um, I think another thing is just being aware of what your high risk kind of food groups are. So that's going to be different depending on what your allergen is. So if you are 
peanut or nut allergic, for example, then like baked goods and desserts um, are going to be a high risk category that I would probably say think about bringing your own that you know is safe versus um, eating what someone else has prepared. Um, and I think for parents, they can kind of, which most food allergy parents, I would say probably do this anyways, but kind of keeping a stash of safe foods like for their kids so that they can enjoy it if they're somewhere and it's unclear if everything is safe. Um, and then I think some of the other things can be related to the age of your child. So if you have a younger kid, um, you may want to remind others, like, don't feed my, <laughs> don't feed my child unless you've cleared food by me. Mm-hmm. Cause people love to feed baby and like little kids. And, um, if you have like a toddler or someone who's walking around, like making sure that, you know, a bowl full of nuts is not sitting on an end table that they may, um, go and grab. And then, uh, like if you have a teenager, I think it's a good time of year to kind of talk with them and remind them about label reading and kind of practicing safe habits during the holiday, as well as a good time to remind them about using your EpiPen and um, what would you do if you started to have a reaction. Um, And that kind of leads to the last thing I would mention of it just being really important to make sure that all of those emergency medicines are available, including epinephrine. Um, You know, most people don't plan that they're going to have a reaction and um, they're often accidental. So keeping um, everything with you. And then if you're traveling, just making sure that you have everything and um, extra if needed, just in case you would um, need it for anything. That's a great point. And then for both of you, um, something that just to your point about the the differences in you know age, obviously you're going to do a bit more handholding with the younger the younger kids for you know both their diabetes concerns and their allergy concerns. But have you found um, in your both of your experiences that uh, you know the older older kids um, older teens that they're generally they they have a, a decent awareness about what they need to do to advocate for themselves to to help them you know with their specific issue their allergy issue or their diabetes. Have you found that they they generally are responsible or do they still need sort of the reminding and the support from, from parents along the way? I can jump in. So I think every kid is different. I think that you can have starting in early elementary school kids that are, they will double check their own parent every single time (laughs) and like read the label and are very good of asking every single time. Um, And with teenagers, we do know that they are a higher risk group um, for food allergies and lots of other behaviors. Um, And so um, that is uh, one group where reminders of, you know, maybe when they're not with their parents and doing other activities. And I think sometimes just walking through with them of possible scenarios and like, what would you do if this happened um, to make sure that they know? And then sometimes I'll also with the older kids, you can like if say they're going out to eat or something, you can look through a menu with them ahead of time so that they can still like be independent and know what they're going to order without you right by their side, but not have the, um, like not necessarily have to uh, call you like when they're around their friends and mm-hmm. have more independence that way. Mm-hmm. Great. Dr. Akira, say the same, <laughs> probably. I think you're right. I, I think um, what Dr. Dancer said about it very much depends on the child, um, you know, certainly is true. And I think teenagers are, um, you know, they're, they're interesting people. They uh, can, <laughs> yeah. can 
can do so much to take care of themselves. They can get themselves ready to go places. They can drive a car. They can, you know, really be incredibly self-sufficient. But developmentally, what they lack is the awareness that their current actions impact their future selves. So they don't really, they can't really put together, um, I'm speaking generally, obviously, there are maybe some incredibly mature teenagers, but in general, you know, they, they, they lack sort of the ability to link consequences in the long term with their current actions. And so, you know, it can be hard for them to make the difficult decision to they're out to dinner with their friends or they're out for out to the movies with their friends to take out their insulin pump and give themselves insulin for their popcorn when, oh gosh, are people going to look at me? What are they going to think? I just want to be like everybody else. And so I think that for teenagers, they have this unique, um, you know, unique challenge, these, these unique stressors, um, needing to fit in, needing to, um, you know, mm-hmm. just feel normal, um, having to cope with, you know, lifelong conditions that Dr. Dancer and I are talking about. Um, so it, it can be a real struggle for the teenagers. And I think, um, you know, communication with them uh, is really important. And kind of like I said earlier, non-judgmental communication with them is really important. Offering support rather than a finger wag. Um, you know, how can I help you manage your diabetes? How can I help you stay safe? um, in, in the best way possible and maybe set up parameters with your child for what do you think is going to be the most helpful way for me to, to support you? Um, because you might not always know the right way to be supportive and Mm -hmm. you may find that the child needs something very different from you than what you think they need as the parent. So, um, yeah, I think communication is key and, um, and trying to, you know, offer that support that they need, depending on the child and the life stage. Sure. That makes sense. Wonderful. And then last question for, for all of us, whether we're talking about our littlest ones or, you know, grandma and grandpa, what are some of the other sort of health pitfalls uh, this time of year? As we all know, if we've been reading the news, you know, the, the triple-demic of RSV, the flu, COVID, that's probably just the beginning of, of what's out there right now. What are some, some common concerns right now and some tips for, for staying healthy? Dr. Dancer, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so I think there's multiple ways to, to answer that one. I think just common pitfalls, I think, is um, overstressing that it's very hard to not do, um, but that a lot of us put too much pressure on ourselves and the best that you can try to um, enjoy the, the season and give yourself a break if things aren't perfect. And um, then if you can keep a routine with like exercise and occasionally eating a vegetable or a piece of a piece <laughs> of fruit um, at some point over the next couple of weeks um, is always a good thing. And then I think, like you said, the the viruses are definitely still around and in full force. And we will likely, uh, you know, we saw a spike after Thanksgiving and we'll likely see a spike after um the Christmas holiday as well. So I think being aware, and if you or your kids are are sick, then um, kind of reevaluating if it's the best time to go to a group event. Um, there's readily available home COVID testing now um, so that people can 
do before going to events and then just making sure that everyone's up to date on their flu and COVID immunizations kind of before these uh, larger group gatherings that are likely to happen. Great, thank you. Dr. Kara. Yeah, um, I'm gonna elaborate on some of the things that Dr. Mm -hmm. Dancer actually just said. So I think um, it's, it's important to, you know, again, recognize we're out of our routines and a lot of our routines include physical activity, whether it be going to work and just the physical activity of standing and moving around or, you know, regular uh, sports, things like that. So I think trying to organize activities as a family or with friends to get everybody moving, get off their screens um, and try to do something together that's not only good for your body, but also good for family bonding. So take a family walk, toss a football around in the backyard, put some music on and have a family dance party. Anything that you can do um, to, to get your body moving, it's, it's good for your health, but I think it's also good for mental health and, and uh, bonding and stress release and things like that. Um, and again, you know, piggybacking on, on what Dr. Dancer said about vegetables. Um, you know, do what you can to balance the healthy foods with the less healthy foods. Make sure at all the family functions that you have control over, make sure you're serving vegetables, make sure you're eating vegetables at least once, maybe even more than once a day. Um, when you get your plate and you're at the buffet, fill half your plate with vegetables because they're lower in calories and high in vitamins and fiber before you start adding more calorie dense foods onto your plate. Um, don't skip meals because often that leads to overeating later on in the day. Um, and also in the theme of overeating, when you get your first plate of food, um, sit down, finish your food, and then take a few breaths, wait 10 or 15 minutes before you go up to get seconds to see if you're actually still hungry. It actually takes your brain a few minutes to catch up with your stomach. Um, and so, you know, to avoid, um, to avoid overeating when you weren't actually hungry to begin with, you know, give yourself a, a little bit of time. Um, try to make sure you're having family meals. We tend to eat less when we're not distracted. So eating in the kitchen with your family um, is going to result in you making better choices and paying more attention to serving sizes than if you're eating by yourself in your bedroom playing video games. Um, so I really advocate to patients to, uh, get the food out of your bedroom, get the video games out of your bedroom too, actually. Um, but definitely, you know, eat in the kitchen and the kitchen is for eating and nothing else. When you're distracted, you're going to have a hard time, um, making good choices. Um, so, uh, I think do what you can. And as Dr. Dancer and I have both said a few times, also give yourself some grace enjoy yourself, enjoy your family. And, um, and you will, you'll get back on track after a, a fun filled week, you'll be able to, to get yourself back to where you want to be in your goals. Well, that's excellent advice. Thank you both so much. I appreciate it. I hope our viewers and listeners can get some get some uh, inspiration from that. Uh, thank you so much to Dr. Kristen Arcara and Jennifer Dancer for being here with us today to talk about keeping kids healthy during the holiday season. And thank you to all of our viewers and listeners as well. Make sure you visit chesapeakefamily.com for up-to-date local information on home, health, and living for today's Maryland parent. This episode will be archived on chesapeakefamily.com in video and podcast format. I'm Laura Boycourt with Chesapeake Family Life and Third Floor Views. Thanks so much.